Hi there, you are listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. My name is Matt Wakeling and thank you so much for joining me. Now today we continue on our Iconic Albums series. We're up to number seven and we're checking out Living Colour's epic debut album from 1988, Vivid. Of course, a lot of talk about Vernon Reed, but also his co-bearmates, Muzz Skillings, Corey Glover and Will Calhoun combined to produce an incredible debut. Now, if you're new to the show, the Iconic Album series is a relatively new show I've added to the podcast, and I'm alternating episodes with uh, the Iconic Albums with our deep dive interviews, which we've been producing for over five years, speaking to some of the greatest guitar players in the world. Today's episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive online guitar course put together by Joe Elliott. Now, Joe is not only a fantastic guitar player, he draws on his years of experience as the ex-head of guitar at the Guitar Institute of Technology and also at the McNally Smith Music College. Here's a few words from Joe about the course. You're tired of wading through hundreds of random guitar videos and just want to become a better player. Fretboard Biology is your answer. Fretboard Biology is a self-paced, college-level program that will give you the right instruction, in the right amounts, and in the right order. You'll learn the same information I taught to thousands of other guitar players over 30 years of teaching in top music colleges. If you want to make real progress with your guitar playing, then sign up for a free 7-day trial at fretboardbiology.com. All right, welcome to Iconic Albums number 7. It is seven, yeah. It's seven? It is seven. Awesome. We are talking about Living Colors debut, Vivid, and I'm joined by my good friends, Gabor Jessica. Hey, Matt. Hey, Rob. And Rob Rhodes. Hey, Matt. Hi, Gabor. Great to have you guys. It's always cool hanging out uh, and talking these records. It's been so fun. So, Vivid. So, this was, um, this was my choice this time around. So... For me, Vivid goes back to 88, 1988. So in 1988, I'm in my last year of high school. Um, I've just bought a Yamaha RG-X with a locking trim, a single locking trim. Locks at the nut, not at the bridge. Still not bulletproof, but it was getting me dive bombing. Anyway, (laughs) the way I found out about Living Colour in Australia at that stage, my... Dad came home one day, or I saw my dad one weekend or something, and he had two guitar player magazines. I think he had a friend who was a news agent, um, and they were, they were a little bit old. So towards the end of 88, I was given these two guitar player magazines. One of them, the cover story was Amps, and um, the other one was the Vernon Reed cover story. Now, I'm going to – this is not good podcasting, but I'm showing the – the magazine to Rob and Gabor. Yeah. There's no Vernon on the cover. I've oh. lost the cover. I think ah. I I probably pulled it out and stuck it on my wall. Okay. But I've still got it. It's the October 88. And, uh, yeah, Vernon was the cover artist. There was a fantastic interview from Joe Gore. Real deep dive. Like, this is back in the day when Guitar Player would spend 10 pages on a cover story. I mean, including some ads, but really getting deep. And um, mm. uh, Vernon and band were the sound page. I don't know if you can see the little... The little black nylon there, where the oh, yeah. the the vinyl record was. I don't know where the record is either, unfortunately. But um, the uh, cult of personality was the sound page, oh, and cool, um, cool, cool. it it just blew my head off, like everyone else's head at the time. And um, it was interesting reading the 
the interview because Joe Gore and, and Vernon Reed, they're talking about all these, these 20th century composers that Reed is into and that he brings to his playing. And I didn't know any of them. I recognized the name Frank Zappa, yeah. um, but no one else. And that was, that was one of the great uh, things about Living Color and, and Vernon Reed's playing is that he was bringing so much to the table that I guess for me, the bands I was listening to at the time, late 80s, were not bringing in terms of harmonic sophistication and uh, the the genre jumping from really heavy stuff into the the, the nastiest funk at, at the drop of a dime so uh that was my that was my introduction to living color guitar player magazine strikes again for yeah. me how about you guys because I know you've, you've both been into this band. This is maybe one of the few bands that we all sort of have, have some background on. Look, we might find common ground. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, I, was, I mentioned before we went on air that um, this is actually the first album that one of you guys suggested that I actually have heard completely and I own a copy of. I have, <laughs> yes. I, uh, for all the kids out there, there's this thing called a CD that I, I have it in my hand right now. <laughs> um yeah, well, I guess I guess I'll start then. So, Living Color. I got into Living Color uh, when I moved to Australia. So it was sort of ninety three, ninety four, uh-huh. um, and I think I got into it um, originally through Stain, the album Stain, the like yeah, later album yep. with Doug Wimbush yeah. on it. And yep. then I went sort of to, through the back catalogue and, and got into. I got Times Up and, and Vivid. Um, yeah, and one of those. But I just always always dug that band and. Uh, for me, um, uh, one of the things that really sets it apart to a lot of other bands of that sort of genre back in the day, uh, you know, the singer. I mean, he's just such a great, great singer, Corey Glover. Corey Glover, and yes. And such a great, soulful voice in that kind of heavy rock fusion with funk, with whatever it is kind of thing. And and I always had a just a soft spot for, for just a killer voice. And then the more you get into it, I mean, rhythm sections in is incredibly good. Um, fantastic drummer. I don't know a whole lot about the original Muzz, the original Skillings, the original bass player, because I, I sort of came into it more in the Duck Wimbish era. But I mean, yeah. on on Times Up and on this, killer bass playing, killer drumming, yeah. great singing, and then Vernon Reed sort of going absolutely mental over everything. <laughs> 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 so what's not yes. to like, really? Um, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how me about you, Rob? That's how I, I kind of got into them. Yeah, awesome, man. Very cool. I'm similar in a way that uh, I I obviously love Rears It's Ugly Head was the big breakthrough yeah. for them. Every cover band uh, played that at one stage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hands up all, if you've played that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we okay. all have. Yeah. <laughs> Sing it too. Um, yeah, me too. Oh, killer. It's a hard song to sing, yeah. It's, it's just in my range. I love it. It's just, uh, anyway. Um, yeah, Love Rears was the big one. And I think there was a couple other songs that surfaced at the time, but that was the big one. Yeah. In 88, when this record came out, I was 12. Yeah. I uh, hadn't even started playing guitar yet. So Same here. They were, it was obviously hit radio or uh, the music TV shows like, Hit, what was it? Video hits on Channel Ten, and yeah. maybe Sounds was still going with Donny Sutherland at that time on yeah. Seven in the Mornings in '88, and then whatever came through town on Hey Hey It's Saturday, and I remember seeing Corey Glover 
all resplendent in his bike shorts <laughs> on Hey Hey it's Saturday. Shorts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, I think that was my first uh, sort of introduction to Living Colour was on Hey Hey It's Saturday. Mm. And then I started to play guitar and it was Andrew Denton's Live and Sweaty show mm. where they appeared and they played Love Rears and they played Solace of You and that was during oh, the Stain yeah. tour. Okay. Uh, and I, again, I'm like Hugo Boy. I went backwards yeah. from there and got into all the records, got Times Up and got Pride. I actually never got this record. Oh. Uh, so a lot of the songs were new to me, which is really great. It forced me to listen to everything and a few times and get my head around the record and, and the time. But yeah, that was my introduction to Living Colour. Mm. So released, yeah, May 88. It was uh, released on Epic Records and Mick Jagger uh, was was uh, quite helpful in, in getting Living Colour uh, sort of, a major record deal. He sort of found them basically or, you know, under quotation marks, found them, didn't he? And then he, he produced some of the stuff on it and he plays the harmonica on it too, doesn't he? Yes. The harmonica, yep, that's him. Yeah, that's Mick yeah. Jagger, yeah. See, kids, that's what... Liner notes and CDs do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, very good. He apparently, he apparently walked into CBGB's one night when Living Colour were on and he was like taken, absolutely taken yeah. by them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they ended up opening for the Stones as well. Yeah. Uh, before long, which uh, there was a video I had on VHS. It was sort of in between the first and second records. Okay. And uh, and Vernon's talking about touring with the Stones. He was saying it was awesome, but some of the crowd did not understand <laughs> what was happening on stage. I, I could Guns imagine. and Roses were on that tour apparently too, the Steel Wheels tour. Oh, right. Wow. I think that was the three bands. That's a lineup. Up. That's a lineup and a half. Yeah. yeah that's... Crazy. Killer. Ed Stasium also produced the record and he, he produced at least their second record as well. Baby Animals ended up working with Ed Stasium. Little name drop. When Dave Leslie was on the podcast, I was talking about Ed Stasium because of the living colour. And he said, man, that second record, we wanted to be living colour. <laughs> and uh, that's why they got Ed Stasium. That's why the album was a bit more experimental than the first. But uh, yeah, back to, back to Vivid by Living Colour comes out in 88 they win a grammy in 1990 for best hard rock performance for cold of personality so yeah, it's... i found that strange how it took two years and to they win the best rock performance at the grammys mm. in 1990 two yeah. years from when it was released as a single yeah a lot slower than and I it guess. was the first Maybe. single too wasn't it it was the, the yeah. yeah yeah actually i think it was the second single oh, middlemen middlemen was first oh, okay, okay and then cult okay so maybe maybe the single came out later but still yeah it seems like a little bit of a a slow burn but from i mean from everything i've read and 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 heard yeah these guys were killing it but it took jagger to get them a major record deal i mean in part and reed talks about this quite openly he he had just founded an organization called the black rock coalition um in the 80s and it was all about um well, let, let me quote, let me quote. Okay, the Coalition's founders argue that the very existence of black charts, black radio, black concert promotion, and so forth perpetuates a separate but unequal economic system that excludes black artists from many avenues of musical expression. Uh, scrolling down. The white side of the industry claims that it can't put a black band on an album cover and sell them in suburban malls. The black side of the industry claims that black audiences don't want to hear rock and roll. So... Vernon Reid already, he already 
had a pretty heavy duty career by then. Um, and a very articulate and thoughtful man. So this this idea, maybe maybe by now, and maybe because of bands like Living Color, we don't think twice of people from all backgrounds and all nationalities yeah. slamming out some metal or funk or whatever they want to play. But there was still quite a lot of breaking of ground to happen back then. Yeah. It's pretty crazy because Hendrix went through that more than 20 years before. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. He was playing to primarily white audiences and then yes. getting, you know, getting pressured or at least spoken to by the Black Panthers going, you know, you need to do something for the for it's, your people. It's funny. And sorry, sorry, keep going. Sorry, yeah. Oh no, that was just the 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 you know, why he wanted to put together and why he put together Band of Gypsies was to really get to his, you know, to to the people that were the same colour as him. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. actually totally unrelated to this podcast, but um, before we even talked about doing this album, uh, it was like, a, I don't know, two months ago, something like that, I uh, watched an interview on YouTube. I don't know exactly what it was, but with Vernon Reed, and he was talking about exactly that. He was t- The guy asked him about that um, a lot of the issues they sing about in on Vivid specifically, yeah. those issues are actually really current right now. And he actually yes. mentioned just that, that, you know, yeah. before him, Hendrix and people like that were going yeah, through the wow. same issues and all that stuff. And it's still, you know, now in 2000, I think the interview was in 2020 or 2019 or something like that. So fairly recent. Okay. It's yeah, still right. happening, which is, it's kind of, but he said it's sort of double-edged sword. It's kind of a, it's, a, it's, of course, it's a bad thing that you still have to talk about this stuff and go through all this stuff. But at the same time, it's a good thing because people at least talk about it. You know, there's at least a dialogue open. So, yeah, um, sure. He seems like a pretty switched-on guy, Vernon Reed. Like he seems like a hundred percent, yeah. very intelligent yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. When they toured here, Australia last, I was really lucky to get to interview him and then Doug Wimbish. And um, I said to Vernon, "This is 2018, so middle of Trump's <laughs> uh, presidency." <laughs> I said, "Cold of personality is it?" Yeah. Was it written for now or what? And he's like, "Well, yeah, this this is a great example of that." So, yeah, yeah. it's timelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah. So, but man, the record, killer record. Yeah. Um it was such a trip listening to it in in full again. Um, you had to me, dig through a few boxes to find a CD because I thought I'm not buying it <laughs> anything. I want to listen to the CD. So, um, but it's that's great. Well worth it. It's uh, it's a killer album. Yeah. Man, I had it on cassette, and I used to listen to it on the train going to work in the city with my little little earbuds, my little Walkman, and and stuff. Yeah, so wore out that cassette. <laughs> tracks, standout tracks. If you can pin them down, Rob. Oh, look, for me, my favorite. It was it was easy to say colder personality and open letter and funny vibe because they were yeah. the ones I'm most. Uh, familiar with from the Pride record, the greatest hits. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. But then that's why I forced myself to have repeat listens, and I think Desperate People mm. probably ended up my favorite track on great the record. Great riff. Great riff on that too. That's a killer oh, riff. Killer. So good. And then um, the closer, which way to America? Yeah. 
Um, it oh. grew on me. Like I liked it at first, but every time subsequent listen, I just went, this is better every time I listen to it. Okay, I, um, I love his voice in that. He, it's just it's a different voice to the rest of the album. It's that more powerful voice, and it's just it's yeah. killer voice. Anyway, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, he's just just brilliant. And then Broken Hearts, which is the song that's got Mick Jagger playing harmonica on it. Yeah, yep. But that that bass solo yeah. and the guitar break is mm-hmm, just yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. You just don't hear that stuff today. You know, it's, it's so great. Pretty much the same thing written down as exactly what you just said. All that <laughs> stuff, all the songs. Pretty much the same thing. Uh, sorry, mate. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're the standouts for me. But yeah, I always come back. Funny vibe and open letter. Yeah, uh, open letters really hard to listen to the lyrically yeah because yes. you he puts you in that neighborhood and you can if you're an empathetic type yeah it's a it's a tough listen yeah. to yeah. to go yeah this that's going on and it's still going on as we mentioned early yeah yeah, yeah. and interesting that was that was a hit as well and um very melodic and then they just crunch it out and that middle section over the uh, the pedal point bass, the the solo section is just it's killer. The 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 main so sort of riff of Funny Vibe reminds me a little bit of the Guitar Speak podcast intro song. <laughs> it has a similar yeah, sort of vibe to that, it. Doesn't just, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the greatest compliment ever. Okay, thanks for joining us tonight. We're out of here. This <laughs> been a way to end. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I had written down just when I first listened through. Like, oh. That sounds like the, a little bit has a kind of similar vibe to the guitar speak uh, intro. That's beautiful. Intro. That that music um, that was from uh, Australian Guitar Magazine. I knew the guy who produced the backing tracks used to get to solo over, and okay. and somehow fluked a, a, a jam on that. So yeah, that that was probably me trying to sound like Vernon Reid. Because um, do I remember this correctly? But- like a few years back, did you used to do a thing where you asked people to, to solo over the intro track, over the track? And yeah, send yeah, it yeah. In? I remember yep. that. I always wanted to do it, but I never did it. Yeah, I think three people did. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they got on the show. Yeah. That'd be a good addition to this. Each of us can have a crack at it and put it on at the end. That's it. Ooh, All right. Okay. All right. A <laughs> little bit of homework, boys. Yeah, I yeah. like it. All right. But I mean, funny vibe and um, uh, the the closing track. Um, oh, what's it called? Which, Which way, way to America? America? Which way to America? I mean, such good examples. There, there's chopping out on this massive funk groove. Like every band member are just sitting on it, and then yeah. just clicks into this heavy, heavy thing. Corey Glover goes from super soulful to just shrieking. Yeah, yeah. and. That's what I love. I, it's just, it's just it, that different voice that he puts on. It's sort of that yeah. he has that sort of harder voice too, because he's got such a great soulful voice. And and yeah. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Oh, just no. That's perfect. But it, it's so authentic. It doesn't feel like a band that oh we're going to be funky now. Yeah. And or you know we're going to add this flavor. And I think of a lot of bands in the early nineties when when a lot of this funk metal quote unquote came in. Uh, you know, I know a lot of hair bands suddenly. Started shuffling and all that kind yeah. of stuff, and it just felt very confected. But ne- never listened to any Living Color record have, have I felt that it no. just feels super authentic, and they're just killing it. They're killing it. We might take a short break. We'll be back with more of Living Colors Vivid. 
All right, hope you're enjoying our iconic album for the week. This episode is brought to you by Fretboard Biology, the comprehensive guitar course put together by Joe Elliott, ex-head of guitar at GIT and the McNally Smith College of Music. So you know he knows what he's talking about. I was one of the beta testers of the course in its production and I can say as a music educator, I love the clear sequence of learning materials that are presented in this course. For more information, check out the fretboard biology links in our show notes. All right, back to Iconic Albums. All right, welcome back. Talking about Living Colors debut album, Vivid from 88. Um, Gabor, standout tracks for you. Like I said, pretty much the same as what Rob just said. Um, so, I mean, Cult of Personality, of course. Um, yeah. Killer killer riff. Um, love the vocals. I actually just recently, um, um, once we started sort of talking about Living Color and Vivid, I looked up a few things. And um, uh, uh, when you watch him play it, uh, the riff, he doesn't do any pull-offs. It's all fretted. And when you try to play it the way he plays it, it's really hard to play. Wow. Yeah. But it, it sounds, it gives it a, a really different sort of sound because it, you don't, I think I used to always do, because I think it used to be even transcribed in guitar magazines like that, do the, to open strings. Yes. You know? Because it's in G minor-ish. Uh, um, G Dorian. Yeah. Like a, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Something like that anyway. Yeah. yeah. And, um, so you got the open Ds and Gs. And, yeah. and it's, but when you watch him play it, it's all he does it all. There's no open strings, and I tried it the other day. I tried playing it, and especially I love those little um, those sneaky sixes they put in there. You know when it because yeah, yeah. when it goes into like six eights that those little runs they do, and at the end it ends in six yeah. eight as well. It's so bloody hard to do without open <laughs> strings. Anyway, <laughs> um, I try. I was sitting there the other day and got that's it's 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 like knots in your fingers. Um, so that is, I mean. Definitely. Uh, Which way to America as well? That's another one I I, um, I I put down. I love the bass line in that too. Um, oh yeah, because it starts off with that bass line, which is killer. Um, Desperate people. We talked about it again. Killer riff. Yeah. Um, broken hearts. Uh, love the bass solo. Um, I love that the guitar sound, the swelling guitar sound mm. that's throughout the verse. Um, it's just beautiful. Uh, Memories can't wait. I love that song. That's great. Uh, I mean, it's the same as what we've always what we've been talking about. It's to me, it's one of those albums, um, and there aren't that many albums where just uh, every song is good, and you just listen to. To me, it's like a, it's an album. It's not there's oh, there's two or three good songs on it, and you you know you listen to the album and you oh, skip this one. I don't like that one. Yeah, it's one of those yeah, albums yeah. where the whole album it just works really well, and you listen to it. And I had it, I had it on. Um, I almost, almost uh, uh, cut it a bit short with another album we'll be talking about possibly next week <laughs> to listen to it. Okay. Because <laughs> it was just on constant rotation. So I just uh, – usually I listen to this stuff when I go to and from gigs. And I just had Vivid yep. on three gigs to and from the whole time because it just it – just, Nice. Because I hadn't listened to it in such a long time and it just, it, it just yeah. brought back all these memories and it just, it's such a cool album. Nice. Nice. Man, I, I agree. I, I was thinking of key tracks, but I pretty much the whole, the thing, whole thing I love. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really strong album yeah. as in yeah. like exactly like you're saying, like a whole listening experience. Yeah. Um, you could maybe call it iconic, Matt. Maybe. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's, that's why it's that's on the been list. a theme through most of these records. It's like, how do you pick a favorite? Because yeah. Yeah. they've just been, you know, top, totally. top 
quality, no filler. Yeah, totally. I'll um I'll, I'll give it a few shout outs. I think by the end of it, we've we've probably named every song on the record by the time we've all gone through. Most but, likely. Uh, Cold of Personality, of course. Just that riff is larger than life. Um, funny you're talking about the riff, Gabor. I remember trying to learn it when I was 17. And I'd learned the front bit with the open strings. And I was even in a band with my mates. We'd jam on that part. And yeah. then when they extend the riff, that's when nah. the jam would end. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's cool. It's so cool. It's like Zeppelin meet Zapper on steroids or yeah, something. I don't yeah. know. It's 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 killer. Um there's that. Middleman. I was in a band we did Middleman. I love love that that tune. The soloing that's amazing. Memories can't wait. That's a talking heads cover. Uh it's the only cover on the album. And pretty much Vernon Reed wrote the whole album. A couple of tunes have full band um credits. I think uh Cold of Personality does. And I don't know the other off the top of my head, but it's pretty much Reed's written it. So this this being the only cover is interesting. I mean, that said, they did some killer covers in their career. Um, should I stay or should I go? Yeah, yeah. that's Sunshine uh, of the Your Love. Bonus tracks, Crosstown Traffic on that Hendrix Stone oh, free yeah. tribute record. That's a yeah, great yeah, yeah. Version. Desperate People yeah. was the only, was the other song that was written by the whole band oh, as well. Desperate People, line and notes, line and notes, folks. Hey, <laughs> I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. Um, um, with that Talking Heads cover, that's another callback to CBGBs because yeah. I was reading a oh, interview okay. with Vernon where he just said, "Yeah, these were all the bands coming up like that alt new wave." Um, punk kind of thing that was yeah, happening yeah. at CBGB's at the time, yeah. and yeah. he really liked Talking Heads and he liked that song and thought they could bring something to it. Yeah, man, I'm a, they I'm a big David Byrne fan as well, so that's I think there may yeah. be something along those lines coming up at some stage if we keep doing this iconic yeah. albums thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're good for the next thirty years. Yeah, we'll, probably. We'll yeah. Plenty of records to talk about. <laughs> so they're they're kind of some standouts for me, but there's so much there's so much I love about it and. Um, yeah, man. And yeah, I guess I mentioned the guitar tone is just gigantic. And it's so over the top, but then it's so right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It's I have this funny kind of kind of love hate is almost too strong. Like a love and less love <laughs> relationship <laughs> with Vernon Reed. Where it's just it's so uh, he's so over the top. That there's yeah. days when I kind of go, oh, this is just a bit much, isn't it? But then there's other days yeah. where I go, just go, I absolutely love this. I love for is it uh, what's um, is it what track is it? Track seven, um, memories can't wait. The outro to that, right? He does this. I think it's kind of like a looping thing he does, and he does this kind of weird. Um, it's like a synthy yeah, guitar yeah. thing. I love the sound in that. That's just yeah. that. And then I think there's a sample, maybe talking sample that goes over it or something like that. I love the sound yeah, of that. Yeah, I and, think so. And it's interesting. The samples, um, the samples are cool. Yeah, the samples are great. They're they're very iconic for for Living Color, especially that that first. Well, the first two records, there's heaps of samples. Yeah. It kind of dates it a little bit for me. Late eighties and some of the orchestral hits um, takes me back to like Janet Jackson records. But I, I like that. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not feeling it dates in a bad way. It it definitely you can definitely tell the era this album came out in. I mean, a if you look at the. The album cover, <laughs> yeah, which is unreal. The which is really, so really good. which is by again liner notes. Where was it? Uh, the Thunder Jockeys are the people that made the cover. Now that's a cool name, the Thunder Jockeys. 
Oh, wow. I did it's, not know that. Uh, artwork, cover art by the Thunder Jockeys, whoever they are. But <laughs> um, That's great. That's what liner notes do. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's so evident. And I mean, anything Vernon Reed does, if, if anyone out there hasn't listened, or not listened, hasn't watched the Premier Guitar Rig Rundown, Mm. With both Vernon Reed and Doug oh, Wimbish. Holy oh my moly. Gosh. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. If I ever in my life felt so incredibly sorry for a guitar tech and a bass tech, it's just the, the people that work for Living Color. Because, <laughs> oh my God, that'd be a horrible job. The amount of crap that these people have is insane. <laughs> I, I saw them um, I saw them on that first Australian tour for Stain in, I think it was 93. And two guys carried out Vernon Reed's pedal board yeah. and I'm just, my mind's exploding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> two guys, wow. I can't believe it. <laughs> I think that was the beauty of the last tour that they did well, almost two years ago now was that they came out minimalist. Like they right. had a tight set and Doug and uh, Vernon had really small compact pedal boards <laughs> and they just played. Right. And honestly, it was the thing thickest distorted guitar sound that I've ever heard. Wow. But perfectly compressed. Like you could hear every note, yeah. but it was so thick. It was that mess of boogie yeah, thing yeah. going on, you know. But he didn't mess around with laptops that we've seen in the past. Yeah, and yeah, right. Pedals and synths and guitars and all that. They just played the songs like they were on the record. Uh-huh. And because the new, the latest record is obviously very stripped back. There's not yeah. a lot to that record. Yeah. Um, and it was a killer set, just delivered perfect with, and if anyone's ever been to the Trifford in Brisbane, it is seriously one of the best venues I've ever been to. Best sound. Wow. Uh, I remember just thinking halfway into the first song, I thought this is almost perfect. All I need to do is turn up the lead vocals uh-huh. and then they, and then there it was. No, they yeah. just the sound go heard you. Notched yeah. the vocal and it was <laughs> oh. wow. And I just sat there, you know, just drooling the whole night with the biggest smile on my face, thinking, why did it take so long? But I'm glad that that is my living color moment. That's you know, great. Because they were just amazing. It was in the best environment. Yeah. Just yeah, can't say enough about that tour. I sadly well, never seen Living Color, but I saw in I think it was in ninety seven or ninety eight. Around about there, maybe even ninety nine, late second half of the nineties, I saw a band called Jungle Funk. Oh yeah. Which is uh Doug Wimbish and Will Calhoun with oh, some other guy. And uh man, it was good. And um it's basically like a drum and bass kind of thing, but with uh-huh. The guy was singing and looping. It was really, really good. But the thing I remember more than anything else was Doug Wimbish literally had a circle of pedals around him. Like it was yeah. a full circle of pedals. I bet. Because <laughs> it was, I don't remember what the venue was. It was quite a small venue in Brisbane. Uh, we went to see them there. And because uh, we, we just thought, oh, I mean, it's the rhythm section I live in color. It must be good. Uh, and we went and it was really, really cool. It was the very early days of looping. I think they all had rack mount stuff, um, uh-huh. maybe lexicon stuff or something like that, rack mount units. And the drums, bass, and vocals, and they all were synced together and they all looped stuff. And then wow, I remember the, uh, Will Calhoun was, was looping like kick drums and stuff and then he grabbed percussion and played. It was really, really cool. I don't remember much about the actual music. I just remember the looping. The guy who did the looping and sang was a killer singer too. Uh, I have no idea who he is. 
and yeah, the circle of of pedals <laughs> and just the 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 rock faces that uh, yeah. Doug Wimbish made. Yeah, Wimbish is uh, is pretty awesome. Very over when the they, top man. <laughs> well, when they toured in '93, I was a little disappointed because I really wanted to see Mars Skillings because I loved the first two records. But Wimbish and Stain was his first record. He's, yeah. But I mean, how perfect of a fit for that band is he? For someone who wasn't yeah, the original member, yeah. I mean, such a perfect fit, even with the whole effects Absolutely. craziness and stuff. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, hey, when I when I spoke to him um, in 2018, I said, "Oh yeah, I saw your first tour," and he goes, "Oh yeah, the the Holdern Pavilion." Like he remembered the Hordern. venue. <laughs> Like is that near Byron Bay, <laughs> or, or he, he mumbled something close enough that made me think he remembered the venue. So no, he remembered the venue. Oh, it was cool, amazing. Because yeah. I, I was sure he's like, yeah, I loved that tour. Yeah, it was my favorite tour. I like, yeah, sure. But no, he knew it. It was crazy. Cool. Hey, I'm going to quote from Guitar Player magazine in terms of gear. Um, so Joe Gore, who's such a great journalist, man. Anyway, uh, Joe Gore writes, you get a larger than life tone on Cold of Personality. What was your setup? And Vernon Reed says, for the album, we used the old analog dinosaur setup. I used a Proco Rat distortion. There oh, you yes. go, Gabor. Uh, <laughs> Proco Rat, a Korg multi-effects with compression, chorus flange, and overdrive, an ADA digitizer for additional chorusing. I also used a Boss digital delay sampler and an Alasis microverb. We oh. mic'd close in the middle and in the corners of a real big room. We had the Great Wall of Amps, a Carvin, a Dean Markley, a Vox, a Marshall Head, and a Fender Showman Head. It varied from cut to cut. Um, Dean Markley, hey? That was, wow. that was, that yeah. was a very short-lived thing with amplifiers that they did. Yeah, I think they got back to strings pretty quick. Yeah. But they, they, <laughs> they did interesting things, hey, like yeah. uh, mixing solid state and valve sections, like preamp and, and power amps. Well, he was um, always, he was always, I think, and that's one of the things I really like about him. He's always, he does, it doesn't really seem to bother him how he gets to where he wants. To, it just, whatever works, works. Yes. And yep. and he's not afraid of using technology, but then he's also not afraid of using, you know, like really current, modern, super cutting edge stuff. But then he's also not afraid of using really old stuff and everything in between. And that's yeah. one of the things I really like about him. He's not one of those this is the way and I'm only going to do super technology, super high-tech stuff, no more amps, just Kemper stuff or just this or Fractal. Uh, but he's also not the guy who goes, I'm never going to use any of that stuff because that's not real. I've got to use analog gear. He's sort of, he, he, he makes everything work for him and it always sounds good. Yeah, and he obviously invests the time to learn new stuff. He has I, to. I, I mean, with exhausted. all the crappy lugs around, holy moly. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's never more apparent. When he uh, had the crate endorsement, the blue oh, yeah. voodoo, whatever it's called, the the V amps, yeah. like he had yeah. the the V thirty three and the oh the V thirty and the V sixty, and then he went with Behringer yeah. and he had the Bagheras. Yeah, no way, really. <laughs> yeah, he played with what? Yeah. But, but he doesn't um, care. He, he just no. he no. just wants to pull a tone. Yeah. And he had like uh, so at that. Time he was using the ESP Mirage, right? That was That's his right, main yeah. guitar. Yep, yep. Um, and that was equipped with the EMG SAs in the neck and middle with an yep. 81 in the bridge and obviously the Floyd Rose. Yeah. In the clips and touring, um, it seemed that he had Marshalls and he was an ADA MP1 endorsing, endorsing yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah. But no one, I couldn't actually find out whether he ever used it but they did put his name in the ad in yeah. those early 90s, and late 80s, early 90s. But it 
on that tour is when he, I think he first started using Mesa. So he's using a, a live, a strategy 500 power amp with both a quad pre and a tri-axis. Yeah. So okay. it was all rack. And I think there's a, there's a live 88 or 89 concert and he just behind him, there's a rack. <laughs> and it's got like the original Eventide H3000 in there. You can just, let's slowly just pause it and go, oh yeah, there's the mess of strategy yeah. Yeah, um, power okay. amps and all of those things. Well spotted. It was just like, wow, he has <laughs> the a, guy has gone through some stuff. It, it was yeah. a very boogie sound in those days. Yeah, like it had that yeah. very sort of signature boogie sound. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, well, yeah, like I said, the ESPs on this record. Um, he went on to use um, Hamers on the next record. Um, Parker Fly. He had some crazy Parker Fly for a while, and then I think he's playing PRS. PRS now, yeah. That and it's cool, interesting uh, again in the in the um, when you uh, watch the that rig rundown, he said all his signature guitars always had a really pronounced uh, V neck. He's really into mm, a V neck. Wow, which is again odd for a shredder dude. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah, said yeah. apparently since the ESP days, uh, and he had Paul himself, Paul Paul Root Smith, yeah, um, carved the, the V neck. So it's a really pronounced V that he apparently apparently really likes. So wow, yeah, interesting. Very. It's probably just how it sits in. He's probably got massive hands, so it like sits perfectly for where. He yeah, wants well, I think it. he was saying in a rig rundown, it's perfect for where your thumb is. So your thumb yeah. is always in the right spot. So your your positioning where your wrist is is always in the right spot. Huh? That's yeah. It's an interesting rig rundown. It's watch it and watch oh, yeah. Doug Wimbush as well. Go on and on yeah, and on yeah. and on and on about what people should do. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> it's I love watching that sort of stuff. Wimbush is a dude, man. He's a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had fr- I had friends hear my interview with him and they were like, I only understood ninety percent of what he was getting at. <laughs> He's very, but animated. it was still fun. Very. Oh, totally. <laughs> hey, I'm we could. Sorry, sorry, sorry Rob. I was I was just gonna say. Um, Apart with the special guests on the record, apart from Mick Jagger, uh, featuring on Funny Vibe is Chuck D and Flavor Flav. Ah, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, that little, yeah. the little breakdown, a uh, hip-hop breakdown bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that, that is was great. A, that was a nice little thing that I, I dug up there. Yeah, it's a killer. That's so good. Man, we could talk about this record all night, but yeah. um, I think people should just go and listen to it. Yes. Do it. <laughs> Turn up loud. If you're uh, in an apartment block in lockdown, like do it, turn it up, and yeah. and people buy the CD so you have liner notes. That's yeah. Just say no to Spotify. <laughs> liner or notes. Or if you have to do it on Spotify, my tip is when you're listening to albums like this, turn off the crossfade, turn it off. There's I hate so that. many great things happen in yeah. the outros, like the fade outs. Totally. And I've been in the car for a long time with the crossfade. But now I'll turn it off. I want to hear all those things in the fade outs. <laughs> yeah. And it's a really, it's a lovely way to listen to records. Yeah. It keeps you more involved. Yeah. yeah, 100%. All right, there you go. Um, the band is Living Color. The guitarist is Vernon Reed. The record was vivid. Thank you guys for joining Thanks, me. Gabor, where can people hear more about you? Uh, well, well, and what you do. Well, uh, if you have uh, a lot of time and a lot of stamina in your fingers, you can type in the super fun, awesome, happy time pedal show, all one word, into nice. your browser of choice. Uh, and uh, yes, then we will pop up on YouTube and uh, we do guitar reviews and pedal reviews and uh, reviews of pedals such as 
the rat, which I'm holding in my hand yes. right now that we just talked about. Um, and I'm actually a massive fan of rats, so there's lots of rats-related <laughs> things on our channel. So, uh, yes, that's where you can find me. The, the super nice. fun, awesome, happy time pedal show. Very cool. And Rob? Uh, just Google living in the 70s. That's my main gig. Um, you know, Our Facebook page will pop up and my website. And uh, out playing shows at the moment, luckily in Queensland. So come out and see. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Thanks Matt. Rob. Thanks Catch you next more. week. Bye. All right, there you go. Living Colours, Vivid. Such a great record. If you haven't heard it in a while, if you haven't heard it, check it out. Hey, my thanks to Rob and Gabor for joining me for another iconic albums. And thanks to Fretboard Biology for sponsoring today's episode. All right, my name is Matt Wakeling. You've been listening to the Guitar Speak podcast. And as the legendary German shredder Michael Schenker once told me, Keep rocking, keep on rocking. Keep on rocking, indeed. I'll catch you next time. Bye now.